Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hey there, Wednesday edition of the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK, and Sean Carey. In just a moment, we will hear from Steve in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, Ford Lincoln Hyundai, North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Lots of ways to get in contact with us. Our email is stevejones at wkok.com. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Twitter handle at stevejonespsu. And also, we invite you to subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast on either the Apple Podcast app or iTunes or Google Play. If you have a Droid-powered device, just type Steve Jones Show in the search bar. Hit subscribe. And after our shows air live here on WKOK. S-T-E-V. I'm sorry. I was just typing in there. Okay. (laughs) Drop them right to your smartphone, usually by 6 p.m. Eastern. How do you spell our first name again? S-T-E-F-A-N-O? Maybe, yes. <laughs> this is Gil Santos always called me Stefano. <laughs> hmm. Downhill to the weekend already. Week is flying. Well. Next week and a half for you is going to be flying. Yeah, I'm living out of a suitcase between tonight and... Friday next week. Yeah. So no, nine days out of a suitcase. Meanwhile, I'll be back in between. Yeah. I mean, I'm back. Well, who knows how tomorrow's going to play out. I mean, you're supposed to I mean, How much snow are they calling for in the valley? Currently here, we're calling for two to four, starting out as snow. And then by tomorrow night, a mix, snow, sleet, freezing rain. And then by the time it wraps up sometime on Friday, it will flip back to all snow. You know, Seattle, I have no idea what, what they can and can't do. I mean, because I have to I have to fly back after the game tomorrow. Now, I don't know. They may fly me back into Pittsburgh in the bus. I don't know. But the way the plan goes is that I'll leave tonight. I'll probably be home for a total of eight hours from, I don't know, 2.30 in the morning till 10.30 in the morning. Then I'm supposed to take the bus to Rutgers. I'll then come back from Rutgers, and I'll probably be here for about 13 hours, and then back to Mexico, and then get back 
Thanksgiving night. So, I mean, I'm going to be out of a suitcase here for a little while. I mean, that I mean, just comes with the territory of the job. But, I mean, I'll have these little respites in between where I'll, you know, but they're really small windows. I mean, eight hours, eight, nine hours one time, and maybe 13 hours the other. That's about it. Just, I can't, but the thing that strikes me is how happy my family seems. I mean, so it's, you know, (laughs) they'd be awfully happy. And then, after great experimentation, the suit helped us null out. Well, we thought maybe, well, we're going to find out how much of a problem in real time next week, whether it's a problem communicating from Mexico. Greg Pickle today, Tony Knopp today. It's a really great show today. Looking forward to it. You're both big Steeler fans, you in the suit. I'm sure you've communicated about Le'Veon Bell. What were the conversations like? Uh, we've moved on. Uh, we moved on quite a while ago, but it's just funny. He still had that little, okay, all right, he still has a chance to show up at the facility. We'll find out how motivated he is. Well, he's motivated, all right. He's just motivated to uh, pull in the money that he feels he is worth, and we'll find out which team that could be come free agency in March. Could it be the Colts? Could it be... The Redskins. We'll have to wait and see. See how you know, how long Adrian Peterson is going to last. They they could be in need of a running back, but I think depending on how much the Redskins would offer Le'Veon Bell, I don't think it would match what he's demanding. At least in well, terms of Washington, but uh, Texans could be a possibility. Jets could be know, a possibility. Yeah, but see what I look at. I look at the Jets and I look at Indianapolis. They both have massive cap room. Both have cap room. At nine figures, they both have over a hundred million in cap room. That's amazing, and that's the kind of flexibility that I'm sure everybody's looking for when it comes to Bell. I've had people talk to me about Bell's um, value. Like, okay, his value. And his value right now is zero. You want to know why? He's not playing. He hasn't played all year. Well, his value is zero. That's why he has no value. Yeah, I follow him on both on Twitter and Instagram. And actually, over the weekend... I saw the writing on the wall over the weekend. He he would have like in his avatar, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers running back on on both his accounts. Well, he took Pittsburgh Steelers out over the weekend. He's changed it to All Star Running Back. Then he had like a picture of himself with like a generic, like All Star type jersey with a Juice logo behind him. So, it's interesting about the false advertising is this. He won't be an all-star running back this year. Uh, so, yeah, you know. <laughs> the streak's over. Okay. Let me. Uh, well, Neil Kulong brought up a great point in your conversation with him yesterday. I mean, how long will it take him to get back up to speed where he needs to be so he can get back to that elite level as one of the top players in the league? I Man, it's not going to be an overnight deal. Well, did I ever tell you the story? 
I think I have, about when Dick Girardi um, went into the U.S. Basketball Writers Association Hall of Fame. And I flew down to Dallas for the event. And, you know, Dick was one of three people that went in that year. And one was George Lapidus, who had started out his career in Memphis. Now, eventually, he then went to being a sports editor and to being a talk show host in Memphis. And the... um, But when he started out, he was on the news side of it, and he covered city council, and he covered the mayor's office. And he was very frank with everybody. He says, look, I really liked it. He said, I got along well with the mayor. I got along well with the city council. I had some great contacts. It opened the door for me to have some pretty good stories. Okay? He said, and then they came up to me, and they said, hey, we'd like to move you to be the sports editor. He goes, well, no, I really don't want to do that. He said, you know, I really like what I'm doing. So they took a piece of paper and they handed the piece of paper back to me after they wrote something down, and the paper was a number. The number, of course, was the salary he was going to get from moving over to being the sports editor. And he said, you know, exactly what hour do you need me to start? So he starts being the sports editor. Well, being the sports editor back then, meant that it's not like today but it used to mean that the major papers would be sending reporters to every conceivable major event go to the indianapolis 500 go to the kentucky derby go to the masters well it turns out one of the first events that george lapidus covers happens to be the masters and he is trying to get a better handle on and get a feel for the job he has well in the process of this he's in the media tent at Augusta National and he spots Red Smith the legendary New York Times writer and columnist now for young people out there you'll have to google Red Smith to know exactly the high esteem with which he was held within the profession of journalism for those who are older you know that Red Smith is a part of the gold standard of the industry from way back when. So George Lapidus sees him in the media tent at Augusta National. And so he decides he's going to go up and introduce himself. He says, Mr. Smith, my name is George Lapidus. Uh, I'm the new sports editor of the Memphis Statesman. He said, what advice would you give me that could really help me in this job? And Red Smith looked up at him. He said, I'll give you two words. He says, and always remember these two words. Be there. Be there. You would be amazed at, as a starting point, your ability to get better at something starts with you being there. Your ability to cover an event gets so much better because you're physically there that your ability to do any job grows and your ability to improve grows by, quote, being there. Le'Veon Bell is not there and thus has no shot 
in 2018 of improving himself in any way, shape, or form whatsoever because he decided this year not to be there. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. SMC is where you want to be for your next new F-150 and everything starting with E. Make 2018 a November to remember with savings up to $13,000 on your next new Ford F-150. Sunbury Motors has F-150 starting at $25,669. All SUVs starting with the letter E will plummet in price for SMC's November to remember. 67 Ford Escapes, 23 EcoSports, 22 Explorers, all at one location. Brand new Ford Escape starting at an unheard of 17820. If you haven't looked into the all new Ford EcoSport, now is the time. 2019 Ford EcoSports start at 19880. SMC has the SUV that started it all, the Ford Explorer for under 32 grand. Hurry in now to SMC so you can show off your brand new Ford at Thanksgiving dinner or to your buddies at Deer Camp. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. All right, great to have you with us. Again, I uh, I have no idea. Um, we were just talking off air about, you know, I should be back Friday. I don't know. This could be one of those, uh, you know, that's what I'm wondering here about. I, I checked the forecast because, you know, I mean, I, it's not getting out there. It's it's getting back. Now, the one area where I'm fortunate game-wise is that the game Saturdays at Rutgers. And it's this is not a game, for example, like, hey, by the way, uh, the game's going to be at uh, Nebraska, where you, now you run into a problem. The game's at Rutgers. You know, if I, if whatever reason, because of travel restrictions, I don't get back till Friday or whatever, I can drive. So that that's not an issue. I mean, you'd like to do it in such a way where you can maybe get on the bus and get a little bit of sleep. <laughs> I think that's what I'm looking at, at doing if I can do a little bit of that. Um, but uh, we don't. Uh, we are at the mercy of what Mother Nature says tomorrow. I know here they're talking about three inches of snow, maybe 3.1. The problem is going to be a little bit of ice. Okay, that you know, but you know, how that affects the airport, I have no idea. Because we, I mean, we wouldn't leave Chicago. I don't think until one o'clock in the morning, maybe Eastern time, because the game's at nine. That means that you know, if everything goes according to you know, no overtime or anything like that, you're probably done with the post game show about eleven thirty. Got to pack up. Got to go to the airport. Uh, O'Hare is not that early. I assume he's not that close to downtown Chicago. Uh, so I would say hey, 11.30, bus gets going at 11.45, probably get to the plane by 12.30, probably be up in the air at 1 o'clock. Probably get back around, you know, 2.15, 2.20, something like that, if, you know, if everything went according to plan. Now the question is, will it be snowing or... And it's, it, to be honest with you, Sean, it was the last thing I expected. 
I did not expect in any way, shape, or form to get up today and see the words Winter Storm Watch. Like, Winter Storm Watch? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's November 14th. What do you mean, Winter Storm Watch? Yeah, I grabbed a couple things at the store last night. Kind of glad I did that. But I did it without thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to happen on Thursday. <laughs> Yeah, but I'll get um, home tonight. Oh, I probably need a few more extra things. So, so I get this email from Jeff Tarman about you know I tape the pregame show with James, you know, and and Roger, of course, I gotta put in the I gotta put in the voicers I'm like yeah, how Roger gets, right. <laughs> like yeah, fine. Right. And they said you know if you could get this you know to us as quickly as possible Friday morning, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Who says I'm going to be here Friday morning? I don't know. <laughs> you have to do it live. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. It'll get done. Well, As Bill O'Reilly do... once said, we'll do it live. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I said it that way. I just was right. like, eh, I, don't think, I don't think I went about it that way. But I said, <laughs> I said, I said, you know, Roger may have to do the thing live. I said, I can't control when we get back. Rooster's moment. Here we go. In fact, James, James and I talked, he talked about doing the, uh, uh, the pregame maybe at the hotel. Well, they don't really mess them up. <laughs> Am I taking too much joy in that? <laughs> Why'd you do it the, why'd you do it the hotel? Like, don't talk to me. Talk to Coach. <laughs> I'm sorry. Coach Franklin says that uh, you need a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So. It is a unique situation. Not like you're doing it just for fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not. Uh, oh, oh, wait. I Hold on. Hold on. Let's see here. Hey, I want to thank uh, Dave, who uh, sent an email. I explained to him about who the suit is and who the king is. He sent back and said, thanks. Looking forward to listening to my new favorite podcast. Yes. Hey, th- hey, thank you very much. That means a lot. Thank you. We love it. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Coach said he can do the pregame at the hotel after he meets with the TV crew around 3.55. <laughs> Sorry, Raj. <laughs> All that's needed is a camera in the room getting Raj's reaction while reading the email. <laughs> no, the email was sent to me. <laughs> he doesn't know about it yet. <laughs> Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Very happy to say that uh, we're in the Sunbury Motors Studio today. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Let's get to it here because we have a lot going on today. One of the best does a great job. PennLive.com. Greg Pickle joins us. Greg, welcome back. It's great to have you with us on the show again. Yeah, Steve. It's been a while, but it's good to be on with you as the uh, Penn State season winds to a close here. Hope all's been well. 
Everything's been going really well. Now I want to get to a couple thoughts. Your thoughts on watching Penn State football and what you have now seen and what the Wisconsin win meant in watching how that game played out. Yeah, you know, I think we've all been waiting for Penn State to not, you know, I don't know if you could say they dominated that game because there were a couple of plays here and there that probably took away from being able to say that. But for the most part, you've been waiting for a game where Penn State said, we know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to do, and we're not going to let you do it. And I think they finally had that opportunity on Saturday with a Wisconsin team that had not much ability to throw the football, not much in the passing game, but they wanted to run the ball. And Jonathan Taylor and the Wisconsin offensive line got Penn State early, but after that, Penn State was pretty much able to keep him in check. And I think Prem Price not getting enough credit for the job this defense has done, Steve. As you well know, they're not playing – that many guys on defense at this point of the year. There are a lot of guys that have played a ton of snaps so far this season, and they've been able to keep pace and keep improving week in and week out. You're seeing improvements pretty much across the board. Etor Grosmatos, it would be a shame and almost offensive if he doesn't have all Big Ten honors at the end of this season and maybe even more from the national perspective. You're seeing Micah Parsons grow. So I, I think more and more you're seeing this team really start to grow up a little bit. I know there are a lot of veterans, but there's also a ton of young guys that we've talked about almost endlessly that are going to be a key part of this program's future, and they're really starting to step up. Dotson, Freer Moose, Hamler, and so on. Then some other guys on the other side of the ball, too, that I really think provide a bright outlook for this program. And, you know, we don't need to get too far ahead of ourselves, though, because they still do have two games left to go with this current team. Obviously celebrate the end of Trace McSorley's brilliant era as Penn State's starting quarterback. And some other storylines that will play out. But for the most part, I think that it was a good bounce-back win against the Wisconsin team that I think is definitely disappointing this year compared to what most expect them to be. But you can only uh, beat who you play, and Penn State was able to do that against the Badgers heading into Rutgers now. I know you follow recruiting closely, so what kind of visits did they have over the weekend, and where do they stand as we hit about, what, four or five weeks to go before the early signing period? Yeah, it's amazing. It almost sneaks up on you a little bit. There's new early signing period. It's not new anymore because this is the second year that Penn State and colleges across the country will sign players on the third Wednesday in December, I believe, December 20th this year, if I'm not mistaken. So it'll be a busy day in the Lash building when the season's over as the coaching staff really has one final shot to get back out on the road, shore up any loose ends in terms of the 17 verbal commitments. I don't think there are any, but you never know until you get out there and you know, kids start maybe poking around a little bit and they hear from some other schools, but I don't anticipate any deep commitments at this point in time. Speaking specifically to last weekend uh, with Wisconsin, Wisconsin, two games, two names to know. Noah Kane, a four-star running back, was in town, as was Devon Ellis, a three-star or a four-star, depending on where you look. Defensive tackle from Maryland. Penn State sits in great shape with both of those guys. I think a lot of people are wondering why Penn State is pursuing a second running back in this recruiting class when they already have Devin Ford, Under Armour All-American, and a four-star from Virginia verbally committed. I think the big thing, really, Steve, is that you look at the way college football goes anymore. There's a lot of big-time programs that have multiple running backs. And the other thing, too, is any more of those guys, a lot of them are really good. They're three years and done, so you constantly have to keep that pipeline full. I think it's why Penn State keeps looking for another guy in this class. They had offered some other 
other ones that didn't necessarily work out as guys you could join for. Now you have Kane as sort of maybe the final shot to do so. And they look to be in pretty good shape to get him. Certainly not a guarantee. The Southern schools are all coming around. Georgia seems to be throwing its head into the ring now, so time will tell. Then as it runs to Ellie's, he's been looking at a number of different schools. Penn State's sort of the flavor of the month at the moment. They're going to try and ride that momentum all the way to sign day in December to see if they can get him. Yeah, I'm under the category, Greg, and, you know, you follow this so much closer than I do. But to me, regardless of position, I don't think you can have enough talent. I think if, if there's somebody's available that can that you think you can get in, that you can think they can help you, whether it's at the position they're at right now or someplace else, I think you go for it. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. I mean, I think we see that more and more, not just at this level, but also at the pro level where – you know, you're taking quarterbacks and turning them into receivers. You're taking running backs and making them into something else. You know, they're going to do whatever you can. If a guy has the talent you think is needed to, to really make a huge impact and get the job done, you're going to take him, and you're going to find a way to fit him in here for him and fit him in your recruiting class, especially when you have numbers to play with. Now, Penn State this year, they are a little tight on numbers. I don't think there's any debating that, that it's going to be a smaller, smaller class than 25 simply because of how things operate. You know, they just aren't necessarily in the running this year for a 25-member class based on how everything else shakes out with the number of guys on the roster, the number of guys looking at going pro and maybe transferring and natural attrition that happens, and all of that. So, yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, I think that, you know, Penn State will take what pieces they can get. You get in that conversation of best available, almost like during the NFL draft or the NBA, the NBA draft or, you know, even the NHL and the MLB to some extent. You know, you're trying to find the best guys that you can get and fit into your program, into your franchise, into your team. And if they check all those boxes, you're going to do what you can to get them and worry about where the chips fall after the fact. All right, so now they, they have an opportunity. They're 14 right now in this college football playoff, so I don't know where you fall on this. Uh, right now, of course, the college football playoff, and for the foreseeable future, is four. Uh, but everybody knows at some point there's going to be a push for expansion. A, would you be in favor of expansion, and if so, to what number? Yeah, I, I, I've gone back and forth on this, to be real honest with you. There was a point in time where I really thought that four was the right number. Then I sort of waffled a little bit and said eight. But, you know, you're looking at this here, Steve. I don't know if there's eight teams deserving of a chance to play in a college football playoff. I really don't. It'll eventually go that way because the TV dollars and the media rights and all that will make it go that way. I'm pretty confident in that fact. But if you're just looking at it from a numbers perspective and say, are there really four teams capable of winning it all and being seen as a national champion? I don't know. I think this year there's probably just two. Alabama and Clemson, and really it's a 1A and a 1D kind of conversation instead of a 1A and a 1B, like maybe it was last year. I mean, Alabama just sweeps and bounds above everybody else at this point. It's really hard to argue that. And I just don't know if there's ever going to be a year where eight teams are deserving of being in a playoff to potentially call themselves the best team in the country. Now, the flip side of that is, is what are you going to do with the group of five? Because at some point, it is a bit of a, a joke to have them, you know, always, go, you know, quote-unquote, technically in the running, but never really give them the opportunity to take that next step and, and sort of, you know, move into a uh, chance to be in the playoff. I mean, UCF, you look at them this year, I mean, they've been beating everyone they play. They're, they're handling their schedule like they're supposed to, and they're never going to sniff the top four. They'll be lucky to sniff the top Top eight. So I think there's that part of it as well. Eventually, though, it will end up going to eight just because, again, the money of it all will eventually force them to do that. But 
Yeah, it's just hard to, you know, at one point, like I said, I thought that eight made a lot more sense. Now I'm just not sure there always is going to be eight teams worthy of playing at that kind of level, at that kind of environment. But, you know, it, it, we'll see what happens when it eventually reaches that point. Yeah, just uh, was wondering about that because there's only five weeks where there's rankings by the college football playoff committee. And you see in this particular week, one of the five weeks, Georgia's playing UMass, Alabama's playing Citadel. Now, to me, that's just the college football playoff. To me, Greg has the committee has never done a good job of saying you shouldn't be doing this. When we're ranking teams, you should not do this to us. To me, they should penalize all those teams for one week in their one week snapshot and one week only, because then they'll have a chance to bounce right back the next week. But they should penalize them for it, in my opinion. Well, especially if they're going to just come out and say each and every week, and if you read the transcript of Rob Mullins, who's the CFP chair this year and the guy that speaks to the media, he always says, we're not going to look ahead, we're not going to go look back, this is our week about, you know, this is our evaluation based off of this week, and yeah, they don't always hold true to that when it comes to playing these uh, walkover games, especially the SEC has become known for in the second to last week of the season, so I'm right there with you, Steve. I think the other thing, too, and again, it goes back to money, and these shows make a ton of money, so they're never going to stop doing them, but I don't think we need CFP rankings at this time of year. I really, truly don't. I think the committee uh, on the basketball side of things, they wait until after the conference championship, but then they put out their bracket and that's that. Everybody loves it. Everybody knows what selection Sunday is. So on and so forth. Now with college football, you're playing this game for months, uh, you know, weeks really, and almost a month before the actual selection Sunday for football takes place. I just think it would be better off for in a lot of different ways uh, especially when it comes to, you know, sort of the hippo- hypocritical way that they sometimes rank these teams as the season goes on. They just come out with it after conference championship weekend. You put out your ranking, the four teams, or, you know, whenever it comes to pass, eight teams that are your top eight, they get in, and you slot the bowl games from there, and you move on. I just think that, you know, the money and, and the commercials and all that certainly will keep this show around, and they may even expand it at some point. Who knows? But right. I do think it would be better for the sport if you didn't have this sort of thing hanging over every game every single week. You know who the top teams are. It's not like it would be a big secret at this point if there were no rankings out who the top four teams would be. And I think we'll probably build some suspense, though, come that Sunday. And, you know, obviously it's worked for a long time for basketball. It could work for football, too. But, you know, like I said, there's too much money involved to really put that genie back in the model. Yeah, there's no question. It's so much money, Greg. You're absolutely right. All right, now I want to get to, uh, uh, obviously, Penn State Rutgers coming up. What are some things you'll be looking for on Saturday? You know, Penn State will go in as the prohibitive favorite. It doesn't take a genius to know that. But what are you looking for? Yeah, I think I want to see a couple of things, Steve. I want to see them play a full 60 minutes of football against a team that they should be able to dominate from start to finish. We saw that, like I said earlier, against Wisconsin and Spurts, especially in the second half. <laughs> Excuse me. Then, you know, you have the fumble on the, uh, the botch motion snap, whatever exactly happened between Michael Menitz, Tommy uh, Stevens, and Miles Sanders at the end of the game. Didn't finish it the way you wanted to. I think a lot of Penn State fans would appreciate seeing a game just really be over. And, you know, if you didn't want to watch it at the start of the third quarter, if maybe, you know, by the start of the fourth quarter, you had something else to do, you had somewhere to be, you just wanted to put your phone or your laptop or your tablet away and say, you know what? They're going to win this game. When I get home, I'll see how they ended up finishing it out, but I know that they're going to win. I think a lot of Penn State fans would like a moment like that because there's been very few of them 
so far this season, and certainly not many in the last month and a half or so. Um, so I want to see that. I want to see a full 60 minutes, pretty much a dominating performance against an opponent that just is so far away from where Penn State is from a skill and a talent perspective. And then I want to see what some of these younger guys can do. Penn State's waited a long time. James Franklin has discussed maximizing the, the reps for the freshmen with the new NCAA rule that allows them to play in up to four games. They're going to save for the guys that are on that path. They're going to save at least one for the bowl game. There's no question about that. But this, to me, is a real opportunity for one guy that everybody asks ask about every single week. It's Justin Shorter. He's from New Jersey. They're going to play at Rutgers. I would expect him to have a big week this weekend, be involved in the game plan from the start, and then sit out against Maryland and play at, in the bowl game wherever Penn State ends up. And it's interesting, Steve, because two weeks ago even, it did not seem like a New Year's Six Bowl was even a just, you know, even close to a distinct possibility. And now, at this point, you have a Penn State team that's number 14 in the latest rankings that probably shouldn't be out but are. Um, you know, there's teams in front of them. There's dominoes that can and probably will fall to move them into the top 12 in the conversation to have one of those New Year's Six spots. You know, Syracuse will probably lose at Notre Dame, you know, against Notre Dame this weekend. If Michigan beats Ohio State, that's another team that could tumble. And I wouldn't put it past a couple of the other teams ahead of them. Uh, West Virginia could lose again. Uh, LSU certainly capable of getting caught with that offense. So there's a decent chance now that, that, you know, the bowl game these freshmen play in for the first time could very well be a New Year's Six Bowl and obviously the third one in a row for James Franklin in this Penn State program. So we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you don't want to play players too soon. I mean, the old adage is you'd rather play a guy a game too late than a game too soon. Dotson's mixed in there. Now, we know he's playing. Mustafer looks like he's starting to play some of his – I mean, he played, I thought, really well on Saturday. How have you felt about the development of some of the younger players now that it's later in the season we've had a good long look at them? Well, you know, I think, like I said a few minutes ago, I think Parsons keeps showing each week that he's starting to yeah. really figure out the linebacker spot, really starting to play fast and with a, a confidence in what he's doing as opposed to just maybe running around out there and hoping his natural instinct would take over. So I think that's been a pretty big plus for him in this Penn State program. On the other side of the ball, the disappearance of Ricky Slade. I know he's been injured and whatnot, but that's been kind of disappointing after the way he started this season. I think P.J. Mustafer, as a guy playing a position, it's very difficult to play the truth freshman. I think he's definitely made some strides. Maybe not ones that show up in the box score. Maybe not ones that uh, you know, will show up on game day. But guess what? You got another guy that did this sort of thing, and it's even harder at defensive tackle than defensive end. But Etor Grossmanto showed some flashes last year, too, and look what he's doing as a sophomore building off of that experience he had a year ago. I think P.J. Mustafer could very well be on track to do that. And you have some couple other guys that have done some nice things as well. Obviously, D'Angelo George has uh, what, maybe five snaps this year and the longest yeah. play from scrimmage in program history. I mean, that's one of those ones where you know, maybe 50 years from now, you're going to look back and say, wait a second, who is the guy with the longest catch from scrimmage in Penn State program history? And it'll be Daniel George from Sean Clifford. You'll be able to trip a lot of people up at, at trivia when they think it was Trace McSorley in, in 2018, and it was not. So, you know, I think these guys have developed pretty nicely. Obviously, there's some, you know, things you were hoping to see that maybe you didn't so far this year, some things that maybe you didn't expect to see that you have seen that you've been impressed by. So, you know, the development keeps marching on, it, and really uh, they have another good group coming in. Uh, you know, for the next cycle, that could very well be in the same spot this time next year. That's why I was kidding, James, about that today. I said Daniel George is averaging 95 yards a catch. I said, unfortunately, he has nowhere to go but down. That's right. right. So... Yeah, unfortunately, you're 100% <laughs> right about that, Steve. Greg, it is always a pleasure. It's been far too long, and I appreciate your insight very much. All right. Always good to be on with you, Steve. Talk to you soon.
Thank you. That is Greg Pickle, PenLive.com. Always does great work. Don't forget, next half hour, Tony Knopf on the show. We mentioned to the suit yesterday about Tony not being on the show. And Sean, you can pass along the reaction you got. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) See, what Tony does is he unmasks the fantasy of sports. Right? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's actually being done for money. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay, let's get to uh, basketball recruiting. As I mentioned yesterday, and it's flown under the radar, I think, in some ways that. Uh, uh, that today was early signing day for basketball. Uh, so Penn State has signed Patrick Kelly, Seth Lundy, Justin McCoy, and I- Ibdu Simbila. Uh, uh, excuse me, Simbila. Uh, they've signed letters of intent. Kelly, 6'8", Lynchburg, Virginia, at IMG Academy. Um, and he'll be coming here. Uh, averaged uh, double figures in scoring at seven boards a game as a junior. Seth Lundy, they have wanted from day one. Well, they got him. 6'6", 200-pound forward from Roman Catholic High School in Philadelphia. You may have heard of that school. All-team first state here in Pennsylvania. Two-time All-Catholic League first-team selection. Led Roman to the Catholic League title and the team's third PIAA championship in 17-18, averaging 16.5 points, nearly nine boards a game. He's already over 1,000 points in his career. Justin McCoy, ranked the number 11 player in the state of North Carolina. Uh, He had a spot in the Raleigh News and Observers All-Metro team as a junior, averaged more than 21 points, nine boards a game at Panther Creek High School. He is a 6'8 forward. And then there is uh, Abdu uh, Simbila, and Simbila is from Cameroon. Uh, he will enroll at Penn State after spending two years at St. Saint Mir- uh, uh, Maria Goretti High School in Hagerstown, Maryland. First team all Washington County pick. Uh, led the Gales of the Baltimore Catholic League wins. Uh, and is somebody who averages uh, a double-double. So those are the guys that have signed basketball-wise for Penn State. They went big with this class after going heavy with guards in the last class with Jones, Bolton, Dredd. They then turned it, and they went with Lundy, who can play either three or four, Kelly, who can play either three or four, and then two big guys. You know, McCoy can probably play four. In fact, I think he can play either three or four. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Tony Knopp, next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK.